Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the gift of your Holy Word. And we do want to thank you for the Ten Commandments. We want to thank you for these timeless principles and values which you provided for us that remind us of life as it should be, life as it could be. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would help us to examine our hearts as we think of this commandment, do not steal. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you please be seated. Well, as Matt has mentioned, the uh, commandment we're focusing upon this morning uh, is the eighth commandment, uh, do not steal. Now, I haven't got the uh, the flicker. Uh, is there a, a thing I ought to have to, to do the changes on the screen? Uh, we're looking at this eighth commandment, you shall not steal. And you know, this is the only one of the Ten Commandments that doesn't carry a death penalty with it. You know, in the Old Testament, the penalty for stealing was restitution. And the Bible's very clear that human life, thank you, Matt, human life is far more valuable than property. And uh, so we're going to look at this commandment, you shall not steal. And this morning, we're going to look at one or two types of thief. And the first one I've described quite simply as the common thief. It's because most of us have suffered at the hands uh, that we understand only too well this commandment. The common thief has an extensive family. There's robbery, and I'm sure we all know about that. A number of us have been burgled, some more than once, and it's a horrible thing, isn't it, to discover that your home has been broken into and that your possessions have been rummaged through and ransacked. It's a frightening thing if the burglary takes place when you were elsewhere in the house. Some of us will have had a car stolen. Some of us will have had something stolen from our cars or from the garden shed. You only have to tune into Crime Watch to see the mindless and pointless attacks on some of the most vulnerable people, sometimes just for a few pounds or a mobile phone. So we know why a good God will say, you shall not steal, don't we? Of course, theft is so much more than just robbery. Look at its children. Fraud. Remember years ago that man, Robert Maxwell, and the fraud that he engaged in on a massive scale. But you know, it happens every day. I remember the story of a couple called Sashi Bachetta and Geoffrey Coles. They were a couple who appeared to be the epitome of a successful couple enjoying the fruits of their labours, cruising the Mediterranean for two years on their £100,000 yacht. Yet the reality was very different. They were benefit cheats, having illegally claimed more than £50,000 in benefits. 
Then there's credit card fraud. It's run to a staggering sum in this country. And the other element is tax evasion. I know there's a big push at the moment on welfare reform and to try and suss out those who are on benefits who shouldn't get them. I think the government equally needs to be active when it looks at tax evasion, when those who ought to be paying tax aren't fiddling the returns, cooking the books. Often people think, oh, well, it's only them and not us. But how would our health service, how would our education, how would the pensions fund be sustained if everybody cooked the books and didn't pay their taxes? We understand that something like seven to fifteen billion pounds a year goes in tax evasion. Actually, when you think about it, robbers breed like rabbits. You shall not steal. is isn't just the balaclava shotgun episodes. It's actually workplace theft as well. A newspaper headline based on a survey in the workplace stated, Britain, a nation of cheats and thieves. And the survey showed 75% of people steal from their employers. That's an enormous amount. It's not just the byrolls and the stationery. It's the phone calls at the leisure, to the leisure centre. It's time spent online. When people should be working, they're doing social networking or shopping around for a bargain on the internet. The expense accounts that get inflated. The bits and pieces that are taken home. Fair dodging on the buses being charged or rather undercharged on a bill and not letting on about it. It's all tantamount to theft. Or it could be that extended loan and by that I mean those books or other items that have been lent to us but we've never returned to them and I've got to confess to that. I found a book in my study with someone's name on it and I thought I must have had that for 20 years. You know, one person said, a man called uh, Anatoly France said, never lend books, no one ever returns them. The only books I have in my library are books other people have lent me. (laughs) But then there's the illegal copying as well. That goes on and it's quite prevalent. You know, stealing from the artist, pirating DVDs, downloading music from the internet and burning it onto CDs. You know, at the crematorium, if people choose to have CDs played within the service the crematorium will not accept copies. Now, people think they're just being awkward or they're being pedantic, but actually, copying onto a CD, burning one's own, is stealing. It's theft. And yet it's so commonplace that we think it's all right, that we don't really think it matters. But, you know, it all builds up. And when we consider the Ten Commandments, our tendency is to narrow them down to keepable levels that can cause us to feel that they don't really apply to us. But when we scratch the surface, we begin 
to acknowledge that actually this is as relevant to most of us as it is to anybody else. The common thief really does live up to his name, doesn't he? However, we need to meet another type of thief this morning. Come and meet the unjust thief. You shall not steal is the commandment, but it really is a command that's meant to touch the haves as well as the have-nots. It's meant to protect the poor and not just to protect the rich. You see, in history, stealing has been punished in different cultures by crucifixion, by cutting off hands, by burning or boiling or flogging alive. For the poor, they were the consequences for the poor who engaged in stealing. But the Old Testament develops the idea not just to protect the wealthy from predators, from pickpockets or the mugger, but to stop the rich exploiting the poor. You shall not steal is a warning for tax collectors such as the Chaos, as well as tax dodgers. And the Old Testament, we'll discover, is not just concerned for thieves at night with stockings over their heads, but those who operate in broad daylight. Now, who do I mean? Well, the Old Testament is actually far more concerned about exploitation by the rich. In Leviticus, it says, do not defraud your neighbor or rob him. In other words, do not steal, but do what it says next. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. You know, in the culture of those days, the person, the worker, was paid daily because they needed the money to buy their daily food. And deliberate late payment is just another form of theft. You know, sometimes I come across people who may say, we're going to sit on a bill for as long as we can. Now, actually, in these days, when interest rates are so low, uh, one isn't really going to get that much interest. But, you know, if a job has been done, and it's been done well, then the person ought to be paid. You know, I knew somebody in business who was a small company in advertising, and uh, he worked for companies like Ford and others, but, you know, he used to say the difficulty of getting paid by these companies. In the end, he went under because big companies exploited the smaller fish in the pond because they didn't pay on time or they didn't intend to pay and they knew that this small company couldn't really stand up against them. The Bible condemns that exploitation and that late payment. But there's also enticement as well, isn't there? I mean, let's face it, the thing about advertising is that it actually entices us to live beyond our means. How often do we receive invitations from credit card companies to take out one of their cards? I have to say, we nearly get them every other week. Or we either get these others uh, which try to coax us and to persuade us to get ourselves into debt. They're literally throwing money at us. 
Now, of course, we all know the consequences of irresponsible lending. We're living with the consequences of it uh, in the present financial climate and these high-risk strategies uh, fueled by greed. But, you know, we might argue, well, the thing is, people need to take responsibility for themselves. And that is right. But there are some people who don't have that ability. And sometimes we need to be protected from ourselves. So exploitation is condemned within the Bible. And also, in that reading from Amos, inflated price rigging. You know, in that reading, uh, we read about those who uh, really just couldn't wait to get the Sabbath over because they wanted to be selling. But the stuff they were selling was rubbish at inflated prices. They had no shame about fleecing people. And occasionally, you read of those businesses um, where there is a crisis, whether it's flooding or whatever, who exploit the situation by charging an inflated sum for something which would normally be a lot cheaper. That is an awful thing to do. And people do not forget when people take advantage of others in difficult circumstances. And you know, one of the things which strikes me at the moment, uh, I listened on the radio last Monday uh, to, well, it wasn't really a debate, but it was with Edwina Curry and Anne Mills of the Food Bank here in Barrow. It was on Radio Cumbria last Monday morning. And what strikes me is that there are those within society, like Edwina Curry, who is hypercritical of food banks and dismissive of them. They give the view that all those who attend them don't need to attend them. They're just looking for a free meal and they're sponges effectively. Now that is a real injustice because it simply is not the case. You know, in Barrow Food Bank, up to the end of December, since uh, in 18 months, we have fed 6,000 people. Now, we do have a blacklist. We look at those who uh, are manipulating the system, who aren't in genuine need. And do you know how many people are on that blacklist? 18 out of 6,000 people. Because the people who come to the food bank, in reality, don't want to do it. Because there's a stigma attached to it. They would far rather fend for themselves. But the reality is that there are people in our community who are in desperate need. And we're not just talking about those who are receiving benefits but rather those who are on low incomes who have to decide whether to put the heating on or to feed their family. Also, those who are on these zero contracts. In other words, they might be given two hours' work this week and 30 hours next week. How can you budget on that situation? Or those who are waiting for their benefits to be reviewed, and it takes time. So, when I hear the likes of Edwina Curry. It saddens me and it also annoys me because in reality there are people in our community who are in need. I'm not advocating benefit fraudsters and those who are cheating the system 
No, that needs to be sorted. But actually, we mustn't deny the fact that in our country, which is the seventh most richest country in the world, that we need to have food banks at all, because most of us would prefer that not to be the case. Well, we've looked at the common thief, and we've looked at the unjust thief, and again, we need to be careful of greed within this context as well. But the final thief we're going to look at is in relation to the Christian thief. Now, that might seem a bit puzzling or a bit contradictory, but don't get the wrong end of the stick. I'm not endorsing stealing when I talk about the Christian thief. I'm not suggesting that we should pray together before we set out on a night of burglary or anything like that. No, the Christian thief is the one who actually faces the truth. You see, some of the things we've been talking about this morning, we may never have really considered as theft. They've just built in their way into our lives and they've become the norm. However, we've seen God thinks very differently. And rather than play down our sin, we need to acknowledge it and we need to repent of it. In Ephesians 4, verse 28, Paul writes, He who has been stealing must steal no longer. We are to admit and repent. Quite simply, and yet so hard, when human pride prevents us from acknowledging our sin. We're too indifferent to make amends. You know, a moment ago, there was an image on the screen of Jesus. Those criminals who were crucified with him. Now, which one do you identify? Do you identify with the one who ridiculed Jesus? not just in his antagonism, but in his dismissive attitude towards Jesus? Or do you identify with the one who admitted his crime and that it was deserving of death, but who turned to Jesus and who acknowledged him as the perfect Son of God? Remember his humble submission. He said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' response, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. The Christian thief is the one who acknowledges their wrongdoing and who repents of it, who turns from it and turns to Christ. And so there we have three thieves. And so what does this tell us as we gather here this morning? Do not whether in the guise of the common thief, through robbery, through fraud, through tax evasion, through workplace theft, through illegal copying, or in the guise of the unjust thief, through exploitation, late payment, enticement, greed, and inflated price rigging. You know, instead, God calls you and me to embrace the Christian thief, the person who admits their sin, who repents of it, the one who returns that which does not belong to them and whose life is no longer marked by greed, but rather by generosity, not just in our giving, 
but also in generosity of spirit. There are those who have a bitter spirit and we need to repent of that because it's as though we fail to realise God's grace and generosity towards us. So let us pray that this transformation Christ works may be true for each of us at whatever level it needs to be. And in this period of Lent, let us reflect on those words in Leviticus chapter 3 where it says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Amen.